Hi everyone, welcome to the Sense of Shelf podcast. My name is John Wesley, and I would like to welcome you all to the first real episode of the podcast. The last episode, if you listened, was just me introducing myself and just giving you a little background, so if you're listening, you can get to know me a little better. Um, We're going to be talking to people about their favorite books and books that have affected their lives. And on this first episode, I get the privilege of talking to my friend Ben Hunt about the Fellowship of the Ring novel. We are both massive J.R.R. Tolkien fans and fans of Lord of the Rings, both the movies and the books, as well as Tolkien's other works outside of just Lord of the Rings and The Hobbit. So uh, we had a great conversation. We both enjoyed it and had some fun. Uh, please try to disregard the audio quality. It is my first like interview episode, so it's a learning experience. There were some issues with the audio on my end, so we used the, the recording that Ben had, which is why he sounds nice and crisp, and I sound like Ultron. So please try to ignore that. It was a great conversation. We both had fun. There's some trivia at the end. And um, I just really enjoyed it. I hope you all do too. And please uh, subscribe, review, comment, like, do all that stuff. And just enjoy the episode. Thank you for joining us. Bye. Okay, here we are on the first episode of the Sense of Shelf podcast. I am John Wesley. I am joined by my good friend Ben Hunt. Of the Podcast, and we're going to talk about the Lord of the Rings, something we both are very good fans of. Uh, Welcome, Ben. 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 <laughs> I mean, my mind's a little bent, but that's uh, that's uh, off to a good start. <laughs> yeah, crappy puns are always a good way to begin. <laughs> um, yeah. All right, so uh, let's talk about the Lord of the Rings. Um, I know this story, but why don't you tell how you became such a fan? Like, what was your intro to Tolkien and Lord of the Rings? So I was um, I was lucky enough as a kid to um, have uh, both my parents read a ton. Excuse me. Okay. Um, uh, always like obsessively. They they both loved like uh, adventure um, and uh, kind of. Uh, like deeper books and stuff like that. There was a lot of history and historical stuff. Uh, It wasn't until my dad was 18, 19, 20, somewhere around there that one of his friends knew he liked to read and kind of recommended, Oh, why don't you read Lord of the Rings? You'd probably like it. There was that weird cartoon movie that came out a while ago. And my dad just kind of said like, Oh, that is cool. Like I'll actually do that. So, um, he went and read it. And then since then he kind of has become that Christopher Lee, like he reads it once a year, um, read everything that tokens ever written, every, you know, expansion on it. Uh, we've seen every movie done all that. It's just, uh, it, it was ubiquitous with my childhood. No, is there a, a frequency you like to read it? Myself, I tend not to go more than two years without reading the story. Um, I, I, I would love to say that uh, it's regimented. It's not, it's kind of manic where there are times where I'll read, um, 
you know, a chapter or two here and there. And then there are times where I'll sit down and read the whole book from beginning to end. And then there, are, I, I would say I listen to the, the audio book probably once a year, maybe once every six months, give or take. Oh man, yeah, you do the audio books and you love the, uh, the radio play online. On yes. YouTube. Yeah, the, the BBC 1980 radio drama, which is just absolutely sensational. But yeah, I love the... Um... So, I love the, oh, okay. the, the radio drama. I think it's one of the most underrated parts. So it's it's a nice thing that I listen to when I go to bed. Mm-hmm. Um, now, how do you... No. Do you feel that the series like affected you in any way? Like, is it just something you really enjoy, or did it inspire you in any way? Um, no, I would say it definitely. I know you write occasionally. Yeah, I would say I, no, it definitely did. I I think that there there are a handful of authors that have had a profound effect on, you know, not just like my writing and my work, but um, in how I look at the world and um you know uh personal relationships and friendships have been formed because of a mutual love of this um as well as like some of my favorite movies of all time are the lord of the rings movies and it's not just because it's token it's because they're fantastic movies yeah for me it's the the aspect of the, the character development and the world building it's it's pretty fantastic yeah absolutely and i i think it's funny that um his character development is um comparably kind of uh underdeveloped compared to a lot of modern authors but his his world development and his plot writing is so beyond brilliant that it makes up for a lot of um you know the 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 character development where he kind of goes into the classic like homeric character archetypes and doesn't really Mm -hmm. super develop any characters aside from maybe Gollum and frodo maybe Sam a little bit. Um, but otherwise, other than that, he doesn't really get very, very in depth, which I think is um, one of the better parts that they did with the movies is kind of fleshed out the characters a bit more. Yeah, definitely. And then you've got the flip side of the coin, like um, Martin with seven or eight books where you've got dozens of chapters dedicated to every character. Exactly. Yeah. That's, um, Definitely, the the A Song of Ice and Fire was one of the um, one of the series that also had a profound effect. But I uh, I always liked his ability to seriously go into the character development. He just doesn't have a tenth of the world building or the language building or you know this kind of um, oh, yeah, the language. The language is another aspect too. He just like <laughs> made up that whole language. Uh, he made up three or four of them. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um. Now, we're gonna, we'll specifically talk about, we're going to do a few episodes because we talked about one for each parts of the, the series. Um, as far as the fellowship, uh, what, like, what about that book? Is there certain parts you prefer more than others, like certain parts you really like more than others or characters? Yeah, I um, definitely, uh, especially within um, the Fellowship of the Ring. The Fellowship of the Ring is my favorite of the three lord of the rings books which i i understand the argument that it is one book and it is meant to be taken as one book and i agree but there are three parts to that one book and i do have favorite parts um oh actually there's six (laughs) well yes that's the individual like each book is two parts or each part is two books um i 
I think I enjoy Fellowship the most. The Return of the King is also right there. But uh, definitely parts that I enjoy. I love, and I've talked about this before with half a dozen people, but I love Tolkien's ability as a, as a horror writer, um, especially with in regards to the ring race. Um, it, it, the, the scenes that he has uh, written with the hobbits fleeing from the Nazgul is just, it, it's haunting. They're very unsettling. They're very creepy. Um, yes. it, it, it's fantastically well-written to get across fear, which isn't necessarily something that they that he's known for. Yeah. Yeah. The parts, um, the parts in three and, um, weather talk and stuff like that with, with the more horror type writing are very good. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's what weather top is definitely another, um, that whole part. I love aragorn's introduction i think that's fantastic i think that they did a good job in peter jackson's uh, real life films but i think the the book was even better with um oh, his, sure. his digs at butterbur and i i do i love the line of you know if by life or death i can save you i will and in peter jackson's movie they they move that to the council of elrond and i i think it was better served earlier earlier on in Bree. Yes, that that happening earlier is better. Although I don't, I don't hate the placement of it at the Council of Elrond, mm-hmm. um, but earlier in the book it makes more sense. Just like him already having his sword earlier, yeah, kind of lends itself to the story a little more. Yeah, it's uh, uh the uh, me and my dad were talking about it the other day, but he goes, it it's one of those like that does make perfect sense to him. Um, as a as a token fanatic who really wants to stay as close to the text as possible, Aragorn carries around the broken shards of Narsil, and my dad goes, "That's stupid. Why would you carry around a broken sword?" That's that. Yeah, he yeah. literally says, "Like, not much use is it, Sam?" And it's like that makes yeah. no sense. He shouldn't have it. He should. Um, he should <laughs> definitely have like a full ranger sword to go, you know, fight orcs and whatnot. Um, for for me, uh, I definitely like the horror aspects uh, as well as. And you know, there's certain characters. I think he just does a great job of writing. Um, Galadriel and the whole part in Lorien, I think, is incredible. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I um, Galadriel's one of the better characters, and they they I they did a fantastic job in the movies, kind of bringing her out and making her more important um there is definitely a predominance of male um characters in in the books and um oh, yeah. yeah no there is but that is brushing aside um uh, like Shelob, ungoliant uh galadriel morwen um there's a lot of um character uh, female characters that are actually awesome and you know not to mention luthien um who are really well-written and awesome. And uh, they get kind of brushed aside because they're in his like legendarium versus the Lord of the Rings itself. And the ones who are in um, the Lord of the Rings itself are, have very small bit parts. Like Arwen is basically there to be exist as a love interest for Aragorn. Um, Whereas Galadriel herself has this crazy backstory, which um, I'm looking forward to. We'll see with the new Amazon TV show if they can really bring her out. 
Yeah, that would be very interesting. Speaking of which, I think we'll, we're supposed to have that preview very soon. That's what I heard, that it's going to be um, tonight, I think, or yeah. tomorrow night. Um, let's see, what else do they talk? What else happens in the fellowship? They do the barrel whites. I know you are big fans of that. Oh, I do. <laughs> I, um, <laughs> no, I, it, uh, the, um, the barrel whites are definitely one of my favorites too. Um, cause it's so weird and twisted and very odd. Um, I, uh, it, it's an underrated moment. I'm sorry that they had to cut it out of all of the movies. I understand why they had to, but it's one of the better written parts of token is describing, um, the courage that Frodo kind of has sees up in him. And it makes the characterization of Frodo, I think far better as a, as a lead uh, opposed to um, like Elijah Wood's portrayal was a little bit more um, a victimized lead that was forced into it um, yeah. where, where Frodo kind of uh, he was definitely forced into it, but it was much more, he kind of understood that this is what he had to do. And he kind of like led the charge from the Shire onwards as like, I need to do this to save people where Elijah Wood is just kind of terrified, scared. He's very reactionary. And, um, yeah. Yeah. Le 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 I would argue he less of a hero is probably how I would describe it. It's much more of like Aragorn and Gandalf are kind of the real, um, leaders. I, I think I really love the whole part of the first book, like leading all the way to Bree. I think, mm -hmm. You meet a lot of good characters, and you're, you're they're more fleshed out than the movies. I mean, you don't even see Bombadil or Goldberry in the movies. I love uh, them. I love that whole part. I uh, I'm controversial in that I'm a amateur token scholar who's kind of indifferent to Tom Bombadil. Not that I hate him. I just I I think he is anachronistic to the story. I just think it's I, I just think it's a like a almost like a fun interlude to the story. And yeah. How much and how much the ring doesn't affect him and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. And I will die on that bombed hill that he <laughs> should have been in the movie. Yeah. Um, you also get a lot more farmer magic, and I like that part as well. Mm -hmm. um, I, I think Pippin and um, Mary, I think they are more interesting in the books than the beginning of the movie. Yeah, I think, uh, especially Mary, cause, uh, Pippin doesn't really have a personality until, I don't know, later on. He's just kind of like the mischievous little kid. And yeah. um, I like I like that especially Mary is fleshed out a bit more. He knows the history almost better than Frodo of at least the Hobbits. Um, and he has all yeah, these he relationships. Yeah, he caught on to Bilbo a lot earlier. Yeah, exactly. And the... Um, the uh, the I like um, Fatty Bulger's chapter with the Nazgul too in um, Brocalo, I think is uh, a, another example of the Nazgul being terrifying. But I also like the development of different Hobbit civilizations, um, kind of spread out. Um, yeah, the different areas. Yeah, and oh, yeah, that that part with um, Fatty and the Nazgul that. That scene, even though you read it, it really sticks with you, and it paints a pretty terrifying picture. It is the um, the guy who does the audiobook does a does a great job of doing the Nazgul voices as very uh, very creepy. So it's uh, it's something that always sticks with me. Um, but yeah, it's uh, there are a lot of a lot of parts of Fellowship that I love. Uh, like we we're definitely 
glossing over, like concerning hobbits. I think I could read an entire book on concerning hobbits in and of itself. Yeah, They're just their civilization. It's just so damn funny. The uh, like the quaint little way in which these essentially like English Irish people are building their little towns and their petty feuds and all this yeah. stuff and it's just small town politics and it's just yeah. token kind of sitting there making fun of kind of what a lot of people go through in their lives is just like oh the yeah. sackville bagginses are bastards and you know it's because and they tried to steal one of so my they... favorite little silly aspects to the book Exactly. It's just, it, it's this quaint, relatable thing that we've all gone through. And it's like, are they evil? No, but they can be pains in the Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah. One of my favorite things as well is, all, is the songs, are the songs, and the multiple ones that you, you read in the book. I, uh, I think that that is definitely, um, I think the movie did the or the movies did the best they could for integrating the the songs and the music. A lot of the background songs are actually um, like Sindarin and Quenya songs um, mm -hmm. that are written from lyrics. Um, but there are uh, a multitude of, of songs and poetry that I think are, are genuinely lost. Um, some of my favorites are um, Bilbo's um, Arendil Was a Mariner, I think is brilliant. The road goes ever, ever on, or the ro road goes ever on. Um, yes. Is that the one he writes in, um, in the council? Uh, he, he writes, um, the, uh, Arendelle was a mariner, which is all about Elrond's yeah. father. Um, and I love the, uh, uh, I sit by the fire and think is another one of my favorites um gimli's uh the the song of durin is fantastic and that's a very underrated i'm mad that they didn't integrate that john rice davies would have been able to deliver that uh yeah, we've, incredibly. we've talked about that too that they really just made gimli kind of a the chronic relief and that was kind of frustrating it's uh, there's clearly and it's not these movies alone um, it's certainly token wrote, um, particularly elf centric, uh, world building. And yes. a lot of writers since then have, have taken that view as elves are beautiful and perfect and all knowing. Whereas, um, the dwarves have kind of been delineated, whether that's a Dungeons and Dragons construct or that's a World of Warcraft, as well as Lord of the Rings, the movie. It's I, I feel like the dwarves have always kind of taken a backseat, and that drives me crazy because I think that they have such a rich and interesting culture, and I hope that the Rings of Power really bring that out because I think it would be so cool to see like some bad dwarves um doing some really cool stuff because within the bounds of the books they do they're just periphery characters to the elves which is unfortunate which is, it's kind of wild too because even the book that the dwarves got how many rings they got what seven compared to the exactly elves yep so there was more to them than he even wrote about and that's, I, I would love to see it be um, fleshed out significantly more. Um, right before I hopped on um, to do this podcast, I was actually watching the Making of Middle Earth um, videos. 
that go along with um, the Lord of the Rings, the, um, the appendices. And they were showing a lot of the concept art that they had come up with in the first place. And the designs for the dwarves and the dwarven armor and all that stuff, they had half a dozen that were absolutely brilliant and they were so yeah. cool and it's stuff you never see on screen gimli himself is very cool but then you have the hobbit movies that did like an okay job of them in battle scenes but it was so computer generated and then you have um the 13 dwarves themselves who are all just caricatures they they could have been in looney tunes and oh, sure, yeah. and i i yeah i i hate that they're undercutting this entire civilization that is so cool and so like ancient and powerful and and has its own wisdom and its own history and they're just kind of like oh well they're silly and the the you know elves have to be so austere and perfect and they they have to kind of look down on the dwarves and i i don't like that concept as much i have a confession about the hobbit movies to make um and I've only seen the first one, and I disliked it so much I never went further than the first one. You did not make a bad decision. Um, the... I have a feeling, and, and you made the point mm -hmm. that they're so computer-generated. It's, uh, it's a well-known fact that Ian McKellen broke down crying on set and said to Peter Jackson, this is not why I became an actor, because he had to talk to a green screen for like the 50th time. It's yeah. it's a very poorly done series. I here and there there's a there's a good scene, but as as a whole, I think it was a, a wild and utter mistake and an abomination of token. And I'm I'm glad that Amazon got the rights because I there is a dearth of actual good quality um, token uh, material to be drawn from. And I think that that gives up the opportunity to do some great stuff that people really haven't gotten the chance to, to make yet, especially when Amazon has such a high budget. It should be uh, yes. fantastic. Um, and I, I, there are moments that are as big, if not bigger, than any great colossal moments in The Hobbit or The Lord of the Rings. So uh, there's a lot to look forward to. And you make a good point with everything being so elf-centric because even in reading the fellowship again for the 12th time, um, Rivendell and Lorien are two of the two of the standout sections of the book. Mm -hmm. um, of how much detail just in like the world itself, the air, like the physical area, mm -hmm. and everyone's feelings being in that location. Mm -hmm. It is a. a the last homely house. It's very, um, it, it's someplace everybody wants to be. And that's, Token does such a rich job of the detail, obviously, and that can be a turnoff for people, but um, I love it. Yeah, there are some books that are too flowery with the adjectives. Uh, I've never felt that with Token. Mm -hmm. That's, uh, he, I think he just does such a good job of making places feel homey where he is just a guy who really just wants to sit by the fire, smoke a pipe, have a drop of good ale, and, you know, joke around with your friends, you know, sing, uh, read poetry, and, you know, talk. And that's kind of 
what he's all about and i you know it's a particular kind of person but that's kind of my highlight in life myself um i'm looking actually through some of my notes i made reading um i like in book one that we almost get introduced to the ends like there's hints at them where tom where tom bonded all rescues them and basically tries to eat yes yeah 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 the uh old man willow yeah I like the um, I uh, the mention that uh, the argument that Sam has with um, uh, the Miller's son. I also uh, I thought it was great too when um, they're kind of having a back and forth at the Green Dragon, and uh, you know Sam keeps insisting like, oh, you know my my cousin heard you know up on the North Downs of trees, and this guy was walking. Um, and, uh, you know, he keeps saying like, oh, you know, your cousin's always telling stories. And Sam goes, no, I believe it. I believe it. And, yeah. uh, you know, people, I, I one of the other things, actually, um, this just brings in a broader point that the movie kind of cut out is they made the Shire much more shut off from the outside world, which it, it was a little isolated. But it is very much described throughout the books that there are elves that wander through the woods on the edges of the Shire and dwarves come in and out all the time and men come through and it's not, um, it's not a super like unheard of thing. Like no one's ever seen an elf for a man before. It's actually more common. And I kind of like that idea that they wander through, um, and you know kind of act as like that classic tinkers thing especially with the dwarves where they'll um bring out uh you know toys and fireworks and stuff like that from dale or the lonely mountain and uh it's bilbo and frodo that are the ones that actually like they take news from them and they discuss um things with the elves and stuff i like um frodo and bilbo being kind of luminaries more Oh, for sure, yeah, and, and he talks about um, even some hobbits wandering out of the Shire, like, like, the, like Butterbur has rooms specifically for hobbits in Bree, even though they don't, like, it, it's not common, but they do go there. Yeah, I, uh, I like that too, there's supposed to be, um, it's, there's supposed to be Bree hobbits that are very common, I kind of, I, I like Bill Fernie being like a good minor villain as well um i don't uh i understand why they had to cut some of those parts from the movie but i don't i don't love brie in the movies it's too gothic too um it, yeah, it looks like um every chris nolan batman movie yeah pretty much <laughs> i i would go as far <laughs> as it's uh what's we call it? it's almost like the michael kane batman movies yeah um, <laughs> not michael kane um michael Keaton. Uh, Keaton. yeah it's um it's just very uh it, it doesn't need to be as dark i like the idea of having like a good tavern hall i i like the the small doings of the good people of you know um i think butterbur standing up and being brave in his own small way and farmer maggot um helping them out and kind of showing that the the collective everyone together um, yep. can make a better world, which I, I, I think is a, a huge theme of Token that was kind of cut from the movie. Yeah, sort of, uh, it's very much watered down. Yes, yeah, yeah. And it's, uh, a lot of that goes to Aragorn and uh, Gandalf be- and being the 
great and wise leaders, especially Aragorn in particular, who's kind of the adjunct hero that they turned him into be. I do like in the books um, Aragorn being more more unsure of himself at times. Like he even he was sort of just following Gandalf. Gandalf was the leader, mm-hmm. and then obviously. Oh, Moria, that's another part of the book. Um, Moria has. And mm-hmm. after that, Aragorn's in charge. And he's like, I don't know if I'm making the right decision. Mm-hmm. Everything I've decided since this point has sort of gone to crap. Yep. I, um, I enjoy that too. I like that Aragorn and Gandalf are not infallible. I like the uh, one of the parts that I miss most from the movie is I would have loved to see Gandalf fighting off all the ring race on Weathertop. I think that's a major opportunity lost. Um, but the argument over Moria has always been like a big thing for my dad because he's pissed because he wants um, he likes the the fact that Aragorn had foresight and said. I beware, like, beware directly for your sake. It will be your doom to go to Moria, Gandalf. And Gandalf Gandalf says, like, we don't really have another option. So we need to do it anyway. Yeah, the the passage of time being so different in the books to the movies is another thing, too. But again, I've said before, that's, you get that with writing a book, you get the chance to do so much more detail. With one and sentence, yeah. Truncate to make the film like mm-hmm. the the months and the years that go by throughout the story in the book and in the movie, it just seems like a, a like a set period, like a smaller set period, a few months. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's uh, I remember it was it might have been Conan O'Brien in one of his podcasts was talking about um, being a writer for The Simpsons, and he goes that it, it was fantastic being cartoons because or being a writer in general because you could just with one word say you know uh, there's a building the size of the empire state building and it blows up or you know you need all these crazy things that go on but you can describe that in two sentences and then have it built for you by cartoonists we don't have here with lord of the rings where token can very easily say like and 17 years pass yes how do you actually represent that? It's is very very hard. You're not gonna suddenly have Frodo grow. Yeah, <laughs> you just have like in big plain text that pops up on the screen. Seventeen months later. Yeah, exactly. I mean, seventeen years. Sorry. Um, now, as far as the characters, do you have one specific? Now, eliminating the movies and the other two books, is there a character in Fellowship? the book that you liked more than the rest within the bounds of fellowship uh i would say that i have um i to three i think um four for if we're counting if we're counting villains i think um bilbo is probably the most underrated of characters within the bounds of lord of the rings itself um, within the Hobbit, obviously he's the lead character, and there are a lot of references to him later on. But uh, within the bounds of the Fellowship, he is Franklin, like Frank pulling smart genius that is 
like further in and so like well aware of how the wider world works compared to his next door neighbors who uh, you know think he's just kind of this oddity and yeah uh, he's very much like no, no 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 like i understand like power politicking and people are into growing pumpkins and pipe weed um, <laughs> that's uh i also I yeah. also like the the song and the poem he does at the council because what it goes with what you're saying. He knows so much more than other people around him, and that that song in the council is a good amount of history in this world, and that you that you don't know otherwise, and that they really play up. Like he was a scholar as well as like he was like he was like a Mark Twain of Hobbiton. And I really uh, cannot get across my love of that characterization of this guy who's just he's so frustrated by how like minded people can be and how they're so caught up in their own little lives. Yeah. Um, so it's it is a interesting con. But okay, um, so in fellowship, you got Bilbo. You mentioned a couple. You see, I had a couple others. Uh, I love Aragorn as Strider. I I really um, John Hurt in the in the Ralph Bakshi cartoon always did a did a great voice for Aragorn that I really like. I like that kind of rugged hunter who's uh, more than ready to take up his um, crown. He's just waiting for the right moment. Uh, opposed to kind of the uh, slightly version that Vigo Mortensen's like, oh, what if I end up like my ancestor? And I'm like, <laughs> ah, yeah, like deal with it. Like Frodo yeah. is literally like went from you know uh, like the comfiest life you could possibly imagine into fighting ring race, and he had to like <laughs> nut up and do it. <laughs> like you have been raised your entire life to do this. Um, so I, 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 I like the book version better that he's kind of more of a Beowulfian hero. Yeah, I definitely like the Strider in, in the book and, um, the animated movies mm -hmm. better than just the intro. I like Viva Mortensen. I love the movies, mm -hmm. but his intro is better in those other two iterations. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I definitely agree with that. And I think he, Vigo probably does a better, um, King Eric. Um, even later on when, uh, within the bounds of, uh, like two towers and stuff like that, I have less of an issue with, um, with Vigo. Um, and not to say that he doesn't play a fantastic Aragorn. I think he does play a fantastic Aragorn. I'm just nitpicky because this book is my favorite book of all time. Um, Understandable. yeah. Um, I'm trying to, uh, yeah, it, it's just, he has great lines. He has great lines written about him. Uh, I, I think his his character is one that's not used much in modern fiction, fantasy, whatever you want to call it, um, particularly much anymore because people kind of like these um, gray heroes. The the rise of the antihero has been has been huge in the last 30, 40 years, and he's kind of a callback to the old fashioned, um, you know guy who just has all the confidence in the world that he's gonna take on a a, a, a balrog with a sword which is yeah. you know unknown forces exactly 
And then I would say for three is just Gandalf. I, I do. I adore the idea of just this this old man who's, uh, you know, his entire purpose in existence is based upon um, fighting evil. And he, he is tasked with kind of um, getting together all the peoples of Middle-earth to fight this evil. Yeah, he is sort of the, the puppeteer of the it. Yeah, very much so. I do love Gandalf throughout all three books. Um, same though, as far as characters, I just his character is always just great to me because he's he doesn't know what he's getting into, but he's so loyal to Frodo that he's just like, you know, orcs, whatever, we can handle it. I'm gonna jump into water even though I can't swim. Mm-hmm. I do, uh, and I know Token himself said the the true hero of the story is Sam. And I, I really like that as, as well. I, I adore Sam within the bounds of the fellowship. He has, um, he has some good scenes. I don't think he's the real hero till return of the King two towers is when I love my favorite Sam moments come out. Um, not that like he's, he's literally carrying Frodo through the end. (laughs) Yes, exactly. Uh, there, (laughs) Um, there, there are a couple of songs that he sings that I, that I always love and a couple more scenes, but they're definitely in the later books. Um, he does do, um, the, the, the lay of Gilgalad or the fall of Gilgalad, which is one of, um, my all time favorite Tobin songs as well. Um, and, um, Bill Nye, actually the guy who plays Davy Jones in the Pirates of the Caribbean did the BBC radio drama, um, version of Sam. And he sings it, and he has an impeccable singing voice. It's very, very strange. Oh, yeah, he I sounds. I do love him as an actor. Yeah, he's oh, he's awesome. Um, he's he's in Shaun of the Dead. That's one of my favorite movies of all time. Absolutely, he plays the stepfather. <laughs> I forgot about that. Yeah. Yeah, such a random role for such an esteemed actor. Yeah, he's um he plays the father in um, About Time, which is one of my favorite like feel good movies. Um, nice. Yeah. But it's a. Uh, I think that there are definitely uh, a lot of the songs and poems. I think are are missed out because they. I think they make the world deeper and they're fun little things. I get that it's hard in an action movie to try and work singing and poetry in, but I think they could have done it here and there. I one thousand percent agree. I I think they definitely should have included. At least, and obviously, like you said, you can't include all of them, but a few more songs in each movie, one or two in each movie, exactly. or even portions of, like portions of the, uh, the, the one that uh, Bilbo sings mm-hmm. in the council. Yeah, there's a, um, there's a woman, I think Carly Ann is her name. She's an artist on YouTube where she does all the fantasy songs from books and stuff, so she'll do a lot of the um, the Song of Ice and Fire songs and whatnot, but she also did all of the token ones. And in particular, she did a, a, a brilliant version of The Lay of Boromir, which is, if anyone hasn't listened to it on YouTube and you're a token fan, please do, because she's just got a spectacular take on it in its entirety. And I, I really, really thoroughly enjoy it. I'll definitely check those out. Um, is there anything else about the fellowship you want to talk about within just the bounds of the novel? Um, I would, 
my curiosity is what led you to Lord of the Rings? Um, so I meant, I forget where I wrote this, but um, I read it in school and I, oh, I mentioned it in my preview episode, my intro. Uh, I read it in school and I, I liked it, but at the time, you know, it was high school. I was, everyone changes a little bit in high school, so yep. I kind of lost my, my love for reading for a little while. Mm-hmm. And then I picked it up again in my early 20s, which was right right around the time the movies started coming out. And I had a close friend who was also obsessed with them. So I picked them back up then and read them and just instantly fell back into it and realized how amazing it was. Just, like I said, getting lost, going on the adventure literally with them. Um, and just getting lost in the worlds and the characters. And ever since then, I just keep going back to it. Every year or two, I pick it up and I read it again. And it's just stuck with me ever since then. Whether it was the time of my life I read it, that lent itself to that. Like, you know, moving out on my own, things changing. Um, but yeah, it was really just giving my second read, really, really hooked me in. Uh, after, and from that on, I was obsessed with the movies. And, and I've got multiple copies of the books. <laughs> I think everyone it's, does. It's just a, it, it's just a fun world to be in. Mm-hmm. And that's, um, I would say that that's, that's Token's greatest strength is that um, no matter who we are, when we fell in love with the books, but we always kind of have a similar story of just losing yourself and being part of the world. And, you know, we all feel like we could be friends with Frodo and Sam and Merry and Pippin and, um, you know, sing and laugh and, have fun at the green dragon or in the party field or just the, the... you can go a little further in the story um going like just imagine yourself going on the journey with um aragorn gimli and legolas when they're on their own mm-hmm. um that that would be for a different conversation but yeah. like just getting lost in that world it's mm-hmm. very it's very enjoyable no matter when you read it Absolutely. And uh, the, the other side of things is that it doesn't, it, there is a timelessness to it, is that I, uh, uh, it's never grown old to me. You know, there are times where I have different interests and I want to read something else for a change, but there's never a time. I know, which... I have seen your book piles. I know. <laughs> <laughs> but um, there, every time I come back, it's kind of, uh, I find something new to it. And it's just instant. Like you read the first chapter, and it's and you're there all over again, and you don't want to put it down. Exactly. Now, I texted you before doing this and said this was something I wanted to include in the show. I have a couple of trivia questions if you want to take part. I will destroy any trivia that is foolish enough to face me. <laughs> don't worry. If you can't get it, I'll edit it out so you still look good. <laughs> <laughs> and the world may never know. Yeah. Um, so one of my favorite things about this book, and it's so random and out of the blue, <laughs> is there's a point, I believe it's just the, the hobbits traveling together. They fall asleep in the woods. Is this the fox and point it, of view? And, I'm sorry? Is it the fox point of view? 
It is. It is the one. Um, I listened to a token podcast, and he spent like an entire episode like, "This is so weird. It's so not token. It's so different. It's very like out of the blue. It doesn't meet up tonally to anything else he brings in, except this one freaky little moment where he tells stuff from a fox's point of view." And I love it. It's so strange. I chuckle every time I read it. But it's also not super out of the blue when you consider ants and the eagles. Yeah, I suppose that's true too. It's your, but you never have him telling it from the ants point of view. Right. Well, I mean, we do get a long history of ants. <laughs> yes. Um, so that that was my like my favorite question to try and ask because I laugh every single time I read it and it never leaves my brain. Mm-hmm. Um, I mentioned this part to you when you and Ellie and I were talking about the animated movie. The the name of the elf that escorts them into Rivendell. In the book, what 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 is the elf like? Who is the elf? Uh, the elf that escorts them into Rivendell is Glorfindel, who is a great yes. lord of elves. He was actually reincarnated after he fell fighting Balrogs upon the secret stair down to the beaches from Gondolin. And I believe he may have slew... No. He did not slay Gothmog. He was, um, he may have been slain by Gothmog, who is the captain of the Balrogs. Yes, and he, it always bothers me that he's replaced by Arwen to further the love story in the Peter Jackson movies, and he's replaced by a very poorly drawn Legolas in the Bakshu movie. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I, even though the Bakshu version does give us um, Anthony Daniels as... Um, yes, as no, the movies... I, I mean, we'll get into that when we record for that. Oh, absolutely. That, there's, there's a lot to... A lot to critique about <laughs> there, there is a whole ton ton pack with the boxing. <laughs> um, I got a couple more if you want to keep going. Absolutely. Um, another elf. Um, what is the name of the elf that escorts them to Lorien and the Golden Wood? Uh, it would be Haldir. Very good. Mm-hmm. You definitely know your elves. I do. I do. It's a. Uh, as I've explained to my brother before, um, if you transferred all of my knowledge of token to like physics, we'd be on Mars right now because of the, the, <laughs> the sheer genius. But instead, it's on useless crap that only us book nerds care about. I got, yes, I got two more. Yep. Um, one, the, the next one I'm going to ask. It's just because it bothers me because it's really no, like there's so many answers to it. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the last one I think might be harder and you could probably answer it. I wouldn't know because I don't even know how to pronounce it half the time. So I'm going to ask you, what what do you consider the location where Boromir was killed? What would you call it? Uh, I would, uh, there is a particular name for um like the the riverside area and they're on um the edges of the anduin but i would say it's right by um the falls of raros um they're very near to to um the the two great statues of the kings um but yeah i would i would say you know beside the anduin 
Yeah, so I wrote down literally four choices. Mm -hmm. uh, the judges also would have accepted Hearth Young yeah, that, and Amon Hen. Yes, uh, that Amon is Hen in, was... That's the hill I think they're on. Yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's, um, I think that would have been the one I was looking for that I could not remember off the top of my head. But yes. Uh, yeah. Uh, yeah, I had a feeling that that's the one you were, you were reaching for. Mm -hmm. Now, the last one... And if you can answer this, I really tip my cap to you. What what is the name Elrond refers to Tom Bombadil as? The the name. Oh, uh I I did know this too. Is the is the saddest part of my life. Um I I don't remember the actual name. I just remember the conversation of he is uh, you know, he was the first and he shall be the last. I think it translates to like older brother or something along those lines in in Quenya. Yeah, so I'll be I'll be damned if I can pronounce it, but it, it looks like Iron Benadar. Yeah, yeah. Benador. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that sounds about right. Don't worry, we'll, we'll edit that out. You were four for four. <laughs> no, I don't. Uh, if I, if anyone can get um, the Elvish name for Tom Bombadil off the top of their heads, I think that I will tip my cap as they're the superior um token scholar but i don't uh, uh yeah i i i will accept defeat on that one <laughs> i had a feeling that would be the hardest of the four that's why i say absolutely it. it's a, no that was a good one though i i would hate for you to give me you know four easy ones yeah who are the hobbits yeah exactly what are elves <laughs> who shoots a bow and arrow <laughs> okay well, I think that that brings us to a pleasant conclusion on our conversation of the Fellowship of the Ring. I would say it was a very happy ending. My friend Ben Hunt, would you like to talk about your podcast and where we can find you? Sure. Um, my podcast is The Enlightened Podcast. It's uh, a home for all of us uh, nerds. Uh, me and a couple of my friends kind of, and certainly... Um, uh, Mr. Wesley among them uh, discussed having uh, a, a kind of a bar stool sports, but for the kingdom of nerds where we could talk about Star Wars, Marvel, Lord of the Rings, Game of Thrones, uh, Wheel of Time, any of these great franchises, uh, books, movies, TV, uh, you know, uh, and talk about them in depth in the way that, um, uh, we have these deep conversations. Me and uh, Mr. Wesley here have had multiple hour-long conversations that are very, very similar to this one. And we realized well, that we should have been working. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> but, it, you know. You also have um, extensive knowledge of the Beatles and of history. Um, and I, I, I'm a casual fan of the Beatles, but I do thoroughly enjoy your history knowledge and your episodes on the, on different points in history. <laughs> I'm glad. I'm glad. That's definitely uh, that there are other uh, factors that um, the Enlightened Podcast tries to get into, but it's just kind of a group of friends that go that kind of we cycle through different hosts and talk about all the things that we love. So if you are looking to follow us on Instagram, our uh, name is the underscore enlightened underscore pod um you can also follow us on facebook with the same uh name we're on tumblr 
we're working on getting a Snapchat together. It's um, I like to think it's a good listen. And Mr. Wesley is going to be a guest star more than once. Yes, we'll have some some Lord of the Rings crossover, something we're, we're both very big fans of. Absolutely. All right. Well, thank you for doing this. I thoroughly enjoyed it. I enjoyed it myself. Thank you for having me. You are quite welcome. I look forward to our further conversations. As do I. All right. So long. So long. Okay, everyone. That was my first episode. Thank you for joining us and listening. Thank you again to Ben Hunt. Please go check out his podcast, The Enlightened Podcast, on any way you listen to podcasts, Apple, Spotify, Anchor, all of those. Please subscribe, rate, review both shows, both mine and his. I would appreciate it. Um, So check out him and his social medias. Please feel free to subscribe and all that to this show. There will be a whole bunch more episodes like this, including two more just with Ben on the other two parts of The Lord of the Rings. Um, So please find us, please find this podcast, the Sense of Shelf podcast, uh, on Instagram and Twitter, both are Sense of Shelf pod. Uh, Again, that's IG and Twitter, as well as uh, you feel free to email me. The Gmail is senseofshelfpod at gmail.com. Uh, So far, knock on wood, I've been lucky enough to get that name for the three three social medias or communication forms I've been trying to get. We'll see what happens as I go further. Um, There should be a website on the way soon, which will hopefully include links to everything as well as a blog so I can write and communicate a little more outside of the podcast and the different social media outlets. shout out to a couple people um, Ben Hunt and the Enlightened Pod of course um, check out Beantown Action the podcast that is my good friend Chris Galley he's got a couple different shows on there um, a lot of sports talk um, betting uh, fantasy tips and stuff along those lines uh, him and I go way back he was the best man at my wedding so I gotta show him some support again Beantown Action on your different um, podcasting platforms. And uh, I think that's it for today. So thank you for joining me again. I thoroughly appreciate you giving us a listen. Feel free to contact me on any of the places I listed before. And please subscribe and continue this journey with me. I appreciate you. God bless.